Welcome to the Burnout to Bless podcast. I am your host, Tara Reinbolt, and it is my mission to help you take back control of your life, overcome burnout, and reclaim your happiness. Trust me, if I can do it, you can do it. I went from totally burned out human resources professional looking to find my purpose in life to finally kicking burnout to the curb and finding my God-led mission. If you're ready to start living your best life today, like right now, literally this second, then you've come to the right place. Consider me your own personal business and life coach. Now let's get this party started and dive into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Burnout to Blessed. I am going to deviate from our Solve series and talk to you about my journey in life and how I became burnout all the way to overcoming burnout and what that's looked like for me. The reason why I am deviating from our Solve series is because it's been on my mind and on my heart for quite some time, but there's just so much that I want to tell you and therefore I didn't know how to formulate it in a way that could be valuable for you, but at the same time for you to get to know me, get to know my qualifications, and really understand my perspective on where I'm coming from. Because most of you have gathered that I'm a Christian. I have talked about that in past episodes and have brought that up. (coughs) However, with that being said, it's not something that I've really taught on or brought in principles into each teaching of overcoming burnout. And I'm going to get into why that is in this episode. But I want you to have an understanding for who I truly am and why I show up the way that I do so that we can get to know one another just a little bit better. But at the same time, I am hoping that my journey and overview of things still provides you the value that I have been providing you thus far on how to overcome burnout. So a little bit about me. I was born and raised in Toledo, Ohio. I grew up with my mom always working. She was in human resources. Love her to death. She still is in human resources, which I guess like mother, like daughter, that is how I came to want to go into human resources myself, even though it's funny. Long before I made that decision to go after my human resources degree and go to off to college, I said I would never be like my mom. Nope, never happening. Not going to be like her. I'm sure all of you women listening can relate that you have stated multiple times, I'm nothing like my mother and I'm never going to be anything like my mother. Well, the funny thing is, and the reality check of it is, there's so many, (laughs) 
so many attributes and personality traits that I have from her. I guess it's a matter of genetics, right? Not that there's anything wrong with her. It's just one of those, you know, I'm never going to be like her, right? Because <laughs> she's great. She's exceptional. She has taught me so much, which is why I went into human resources to begin with, because I saw the potential of what one could really do and what impact one could really make in that role. And that's why I decided to go down the path that I did and and pursue my human resources degree. It wasn't always that way, though. I've always wanted to own my own business. But the interesting thing is, is before I wanted to own my own business, it was like, what do I want to own my own business doing? You know, is it going to be selling clothes? Because I always had this love for fashion. Is it owning a restaurant? What does that look like? For some reason, it was always a dream of mine to be an entrepreneur, but I had no clue why I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I never explored. I guess I was clearly too young. This was when I was a child. I never got deep into the questions of why at its core I wanted to own my own business. I never got into (laughs) what I wanted to own my business doing, but that was always a problem for me. I can remember thinking, this is what I want to do, but I don't know what I want to do with it. I have no idea what that even looks like. And I can remember coming to the realization at a very early age that it'll come, it'll naturally present itself one of these days, and it's not going to be something that I'm going to have to decide today, nor do I want to because the sky's the limit and I have no clue what it is that I want to own my own business doing. So flash forward to high school, we get into DECA. I'm not sure if anyone is familiar with DECA. It's a marketing organization in high school, may be even a college. I'm not really quite sure, to be honest with you. But anywho, my friend Katie and I, we decided we wanted to get into the entrepreneurship competition. So what that looks like is you created a 30-page business plan plus, could be more, of course, not limited to 30 pages, but you came up with a business idea and that was what you worked on and presented. You did target market, demographics, um, what it is that you were doing and why, how you were going to make money. And essentially, you, in the competition, you were presenting it to the bank as to why you need a loan to start your own business and prove why you're going to be successful doing it by presenting the market research in the data. So that's what my friend Katie and I did. And we placed six, I believe. And I know that was so devastating for us because we were so competitive and it was like first was first or second really was the only option in our minds. But we placed six. It was so devastating that the following year we decided not to pursue going through the same process again because it was a long process uh, to come up with the ideas as a team and sort through them and, you know, gather the market research and so forth. So 
it was then in DECA that I realized that my dreams have shifted. You know, I went from wanting to pursue being an entrepreneur to wanting to own my own law firm and wanting to be an entrepreneur doing that, of course. But I realized, eh, law just seemed too daunting, I guess you could say. It was one of those, I got into the language of of the literature and I thought, eh, I don't know if this is for me. Kind of like the Bible. Sometimes you read scriptures from the Bible and you're like, I have no idea what it is they're talking about. Of course, there's some meaning here, but I don't get it. And it was something that I wanted to pursue law, but I didn't feel like going through the rigorous process of speaking and hearing and understanding law. (laughs) And then plus, it was, you know, a total of seven years. So I didn't feel like doing that. I also wanted to be a therapist because I was always everyone's shoulder to cry on. I listened to everyone, provided everybody advice. I was always solving everyone's problems and I loved it. I thrived on it. So I did my research and I thought, okay, in order to get my psychiatry degree, it's going to take eight years. I don't want to do that. I remember deciding early on like that is too long. And the reason why I decided it was too long is because I looked up how much they make, psychologists, and to me, it wasn't worth all of the hassle and the money of putting into schooling to be a therapist. So then I moved on to business, and we did the entrepreneurship competition, as I mentioned. I'm like, eh. Then I moved on to, I want to be in marketing. And then I realized I don't have the marketing mindset. I can't come up with catchy phrases and slogans that are required to be your genius marketing guru. But I did have the creativity. I did have the problem solving. I did have the people aspect of just working well with anyone and everybody. And I loved working with people. And then it was like this aha moment came over me because I was so interested in employment law. And then once you mold, you know, employment law, you mold working with people and really enjoying um, helping them, then you go into problem solving and then you go into being creative and exploring the business side of creativity. Then it was like, aha. All of these things that I wanted to be, it made sense to go into human resources because I knew all of the things that my mother was doing in her company, which she was the HR manager and then eventually she became the director. So she took on a lot of company initiatives and really was the strategist of the company for their human resources function. So due to that fact, it was like, oh my gosh. All of these things that I enjoy doing, I'm interested in, and I'm really good at make sense. So that's what led me to pursue human resources. And after that, I really never looked back. So I moved on to college, pursued my human resources degree, and it was like I never even remembered wanting to be a lawyer or wanting to be an entrepreneur. Well, I lied. I've always 
even going into HR, I always thought I want to be an entrepreneur, but again, not sure what that even looks like. So flash forward to graduating from college. I graduated from college in 2011. Unfortunately, there was no jobs available at the time. And so I settled for, you know, an inside sales position. And it was definitely one of those roles that I was thinking, it's going to hold me over until I find my big HR job. So I pursued finding an HR job for the time period that I left college. I felt a little bit defeated because I wasn't finding the job that I wanted in human resources, A, and then B, because my mom was in human resources, I had this grandiose idea that she was going to be able to not hook me up with a job herself because I understand that is not how it works, (laughs) nor would I have ever wanted to work for my mother, but I thought she would be able to help me find a job with one of her colleagues that, you know, are in other organizations. But that was not the reality. So I was really defeated at the time, young, and the defeat really just got to me. I got complacent. It was like I wasn't even trying at that point. So my husband and I, we got married in the beginning of 2012. And after living together for quite a some time for the year of 2012, and he was in his role, we both decided this is not for us. We need to pursue our dreams. We're young. We need to do what we want and pursue our dreams. So he applied for jobs all across the United States. Finally, he ended up getting a job or getting two job offers, actually. One was in New Mexico And one was in another state. I can't recall which, but it both weren't ideal. I know that. (laughs) I remember thinking, okay, these are our options. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do this. (laughs) I'm not going from my comfy, cozy house in Toledo, Ohio to the middle of nowhere because that's where both of these job offers came from. (laughs) So anywho, at that point, we decided I would then apply for jobs in whatever location he decided to go with. We landed on Gallup, New Mexico after speaking with people at the office. He got to know his potential colleagues more. And ultimately, that's what made his decision that it would be a better fit moving to New Mexico. And it was the hardest decision, not because we didn't want to pursue our dreams because we had already made a pact. We're going to pursue our dreams. I'm going to get into human resources. I'm going to get my big breakout. You're going to get your big breakout and we're going to go from there. I just didn't expect it to be across the country, like literally 1800 miles away from home. My grandma and grandpa were my second mom and dad. My mom was always working. She was in human resources, as I mentioned. She was always working late and a lot of times on the weekends. So my grandma, she stayed at home with me. She was kind of like a stay-at-home mom and she was my stay-at-home mom, essentially. So 
she and my grandpa, long after, I think about when I was like maybe four, my grandpa retired, he would take me to and from school. He would, you know, all the way from kindergarten, walking me to school since school was right down the road. He would take my friends and I to school when we went to junior high. And then so he was always there. And so every day after school, I would go to my grandma and grandpa's house. They'd feed me. I'd hang out. My friends would be there. It was like, it was my house, but it was, of course, their house. And at the time, my grandma was not doing well. She had to have home care. My mom, pretty much at that point, and my uncle were taking care of her 24-7. My grandpa came down with sepsis and dementia, and it got to the point where it was hard to even be around my grandpa because he was this hero to me, and he just wasn't the same. But my second mom and dad were not doing well, and I knew that, and it was so hard for me. But I remember my grandma looking me in the eyes and saying, Tara, we're going to be here when you come back. And this is God's calling for you to go and to pursue your dreams. So don't stop your dreams on behalf of us. We're going to be here. You can call us every day if you'd like. And she is the one that really pushed me to go. I remember my mom was like looking up murder rates in Gallup, New Mexico. She didn't like what she saw. (laughs) So her mind was, you're not going, you know, in her mind, I'm still a child. Like you can't go to Gallup, New Mexico because you could potentially be murdered and rape and all of these horrible things. I know it sounds a little bit crazy that I'm stating this, but (laughs) if for all of you that have protective parents, I'm sure that you can relate. So anyway, My grandma was the deciding factor, essentially, or not deciding factor, but she's the one that put everyone at ease and said, Judy, which is my mother's name, she needs to go, let her go. This is for the best. So I went, I hated it when I first got there, but I knew ultimately that it was the right decision to go because there were a few positions that were available in Gallup. Unlike in Toledo, there was still event, there was still essentially no HR positions in Toledo available at the time. But in Gallup, New Mexico, in the middle of nowhere, there actually was, believe it or not. So at this point, I'm a confident college graduate, passionate about getting into human resources, excited. So what do I do? I put on my best suit and I go introduce myself to the chief human resources officer at the hospital. And then I go introduce myself at another location for a different job. And ultimately, the one that gave me the shot was the chief human resources officer at the hospital. She said that she saw a lot of herself in me because I had the confidence to come up and introduce myself and own up to the fact that I didn't have any HR experience, but I would show her every day that I could do the job. So she tasked me with creating a recruitment plan to recruit healthcare workers, specifically nurses, in a rural healthcare setting. So I went ahead and did that. And meanwhile, I was training with AT&T just to have a job to hold me over. And that was, I was training and actually in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. 
and coming up with a 10 to 12 page recruitment plan because of course my recruitment plan has to be perfect, right? So I send it over to her and I go through this rigorous interview process of meeting the executive team multiple times, meeting my potential colleagues multiple times. And after a few months, I finally land my first HR job. So I remember at this time I was saved. I was saved by Jesus Christ, but I didn't have a relationship. It was one of those I'm praying for you to do a miracle in my life, but I'm not going to do the work. To be honest, it was, I mean, I was young. I was in my mid 20s. I think I was 24, 25 at the time. And it was one of those like, dear Lord, please grant me this wish like you're some sort of genie. Okay. (laughs) And I almost felt entitled to it. But finally, he blessed me and he gave me the job. The doors opened up and I learned so much from this job. I love this job. I hated where I was living at in New Mexico, to be honest. We formed a lot of good friendships and people that we still talk to and love and care about. And I am so thankful for those continued friendships. But it was hard. It's hard being away from friends and family, especially when my grandparents weren't doing well. So flash forward to we stayed there for two years in New Mexico. And at this time, I mentioned in my first episode about the four stages of burnout. I was in the ambition phase. I was like hyped up in overdrive. I am ready to move up the career ladder. I'm going to show you and prove to you that I am going to knock it out of the park. I am your go-to. I am the person that thinks outside of the box and therefore I am your go-to strategist in HR. So ultimately, they agreed. But unfortunately, it took place during a crazy time. We had decided there was a two-year limit of being in New Mexico because it was just too difficult being away from family and friends. So my husband found a job in Detroit, which was, you know, the closest to our friends and family, which were in Toledo, Ohio. And Detroit is about an hour from us. So he went through the process of interviewing for that job. He ended up getting it. Meanwhile, my grandma suddenly passes away. And I'll never forget it. It was February 16th, the weekend before she passed. I remember wanting to call her on the way to Albuquerque. And then that didn't happen because my husband and I were getting into a good conversation, and I totally forgot to call her. So then I was going to call her on the way home from Albuquerque. Then we ended up getting in a fight about a stupid bedspread. Our bedspread was in shambles, and we needed to get a new one. I wanted to get something pretty, of course, (laughs) and he wanted to get something practical. And for some reason, it turned into this crazy blow-up fight. So I never called her. And then Monday rolls around, February the 16th, and I find out that she passed away. And she was, in so many ways, she was like one of my best friends. I talked to her all the time. She was always such a good listener, always putting things into perspective, 
telling me I was being crazy when I needed to hear that I was being crazy and to calm down (laughs) and to be logical. She was the voice of reasoning in so many ways. So when this happened, it was like devastation hit. I was almost paralyzed. I didn't know what to do. And so, of course, I flew home to Toledo and I helped my mom, unfortunately, plan the funeral. And then about a week later, Adam gets offered this job in Detroit. And then we come back. I tell my boss at the time because my previous mentor that hired me for the position originally had left. And then what happened is... They were disappointed that I told them that I was leaving, A. And then B, they offered me the chief human resources officer position, which is insane because my current boss that offered me the role, she was only interim. She came out of retirement uh, when my previous mentor left. And so she came out of retirement and it was very temporary for her. So they offered me this role and I'm in a fragile state mentally. My grandma just passed. They're offering me a role of a lifetime. And my husband just finds a job in Detroit, which is close to our family and friends. And I'm in a state of shock all around, not knowing what to do. And really, I was in so much grief that I didn't want to think about my grandma. I didn't want to think about my grandpa that still was around, that wasn't doing well, that was devastated by my grandma. It was like kind of like avoidance. You know, you bury yourself in to whatever your addiction is in order to not have to deal with the real world, the reality of things. And that's kind of what I did. But I literally considered staying. I literally almost asked my husband to pass up on that job and to stay in New Mexico so that I could take that role because they made it enticing for me to stay, let me tell you. But ultimately, love won out (laughs) and I moved back. And that is when I decided to take an HR director job in Detroit, Michigan. And that was about an hour away. We were living with my in-laws at the time once we moved back to hold us over until we found our own living arrangements that were long-term for us versus just renting like we had been doing. We wanted to settle down around family and Toledo was it. And we were okay with driving back and forth, especially after not being around family and friends for two years and the fact that I wanted to be close to my grandpa. So then... Again, I don't think that I ever dealt with the grief and the fact that my grandfather wasn't doing the greatest and he just wasn't the same guy mentally. I couldn't have my joking conversations with him. He wouldn't tell me the stories that he would tell me over and over again anymore. It just wasn't the same. It was just so hard to deal with to be, oh, it it was a hard time. So I buried myself in my work, and this is the start of my true burnout. I was working six days a week because my predecessor that ran the HR department 
really, she had some health issues and she did not do anything for like six months. So then I get in there and the, the executive team is looking for not a miracle, but they're, you know, you need to get this department in ship shop shape because um, it's been neglected for quite some time. So we need you to get it up to par. And it was just a huge task because nothing had been done for six months. There was no trust in HR for the employees and there was no trust in HR for the executive leadership team. And just coming off the high of being offered this role of a lifetime and the grief that I was still in and the denial, I guess you could say, I threw myself into 12-hour workdays, six days a week. And I did that for several years. Meanwhile, I picked up smoking again. (laughs) It was, I went from being a non-smoker because I love my job and I wasn't stressed to picking back up the habit because I was stressed out of my mind. And I went from seeing friends and family or trying to, to not seeing anyone. And it was kind of like I was a walking zombie. It wasn't good. And it wasn't until my grandpa kind of wasn't doing well that I decided enough is enough. I need to move closer to home, which was Toledo for me. And I have no one to lean on in my current role because it was like a one-person HR department, which was me. And when my grandpa wasn't doing well, I decided to look for a new position. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget I was interviewing for positions at this time, hoping and praying that I would receive a miracle. Again, again, I was still so thankful for the fact that he provided, you know, a job for me in human resources so quickly after I moved back from New Mexico. So I'm counting my blessings and I'm thankful for them, but I'm still a young Christian in the fact that, hey, God, grant me a wish, <laughs> you know, like that's still my mentality. Grant me a wish, even though I don't really have a relationship with you other than praying for you to grant me all of the things of the world that I want. <laughs> so anyways, my grandpa goes into the hospice and they want me to do an employee meeting. And this employee meeting was on the night shift. So I literally had to be there until, you know, one o'clock in the morning and then drive back to Toledo and then come back the next day and do it all over again. And she didn't want me to take any time off. And I inevitably, I had to say, I'm taking some time off and I'll never forget it. He passed away that evening. And I knew that I shouldn't have went to that meeting the whole time. But I let work control me is what I did. I let it control me and I didn't stand up for what I knew that I needed to do. And I was just, my world was devastated. And finally, he did grant me a wish. (laughs) In my mind, again, this is still how I view things, mind you. I have a conversation with him. I am a Christian that prays this time, but still I have these grandiose ideas that it's just going to happen. He's just going to grant me a wish like he did before. 
and the time before that when I first got into human resources. And so then he grants me another wish and I'm finally able to come back to Toledo. But again, I throw myself in my work because my second parents are both gone. The glue that held the family together is no longer holding the family together. And everyone just feels like they're going their separate ways. And I'm throwing myself into work so that I don't have to deal with the grief. I don't have to deal with it. And meanwhile, I'm destroying the relationships around me because they're pretty much non-existent because I'm choosing to put work above anything, everything, and everyone else. It's not a good spot to be in, let me tell you. And so then I go into this new role with a team, which is exactly what I wanted because I was humbled in my last role knowing that I needed more mentorship. I needed people to bounce ideas off of that were experienced instead of bouncing ideas off of myself with only four years of experience at that point. So moving on, this role was awesome. I got to work with the executive leadership very closely and... It was awesome, but the negative thing about this position was I was so burnt out that it was like my brain was literally fried. So I went into this role being super paranoid that I wasn't good enough, that they would see right through me, that I wasn't the person for the job, even though I knew I was the person for the job because of course I still had confidence. That's just my personality. But I knew the severity of how badly I was burned out and how my brain was literally like scrambled eggs. It wasn't good. And I knew it wasn't good. So I went into that role with pretty much paranoia, I guess you could say, that I wasn't going to be up to snuff and they were going to figure it out. So at that point, of course, what do I do? I fall right into my old habits. I continue to work a lot. I continue to want to people please. I'm trying my hardest to make friendships and relationships at all levels of the organization to show them I am your go-to gal. I am trustworthy. I know what I'm doing and I'm the person for the job. So I'm going to kind of stop right there and I'm going to backtrack slightly. So I accumulated a lot of debt when I was in college and my husband, thankfully, because he was in the military, he had his schooling paid for. Of course, through his hard work of going in the military, it's not like it's such a huge blessing that they pay off their school debt. They have to essentially put in their dues in order for that to take place. But he didn't have any debt, and I had roughly $70,000 in debt between my car, between school. You know, that includes Parent PLUS loans. That includes my federal student loans. I don't even know how, I don't know how school was that much and my car was that much, but it was. It was a lot. And he didn't have any debt. So at the beginning of our marriage, he was like, you're on your own, Tara. You know, you're going to have to figure out paying the debts all on your own. 
and you pay half the bills and I'll pay the other half the bills. And we were struggling financially to begin with when we first got married because I didn't make enough money (laughs) to cover my loans and to cover half of the bills. So it was stressful. And one of my best friends at the time had gone through the Dave Ramsey plan. And Dave Ramsey is another Christian entrepreneur that really teaches money principles like Susie Orman, if you're familiar with her, and other financial gurus. They have all have a system that you follow in order to really, the goal is to become a millionaire. So I was super into this money principle. I was super into this strategy. And of course, my husband at the time was like, no, you're on your own. It's your debt. You pay it. It's not my debt. I didn't marry into this, even though he did. (laughs) That's what he signed up for. Well, anyway, I can try to convince him for six months, literally. And one one day on the way to work, he heard Dave Ramsey. And I swear it must have been God calling him to take the invitation because he came home to me and he was like, I just heard this guy, Dave Ramsey, and it's brilliant. We can become millionaires if we follow these steps. How awesome would that be? We would be stress-free. We could give. We could pursue our dreams, you know. It would just be awesome. We wouldn't have to worry about money if we were to follow these steps. And it was like, what are you talking about? I've been talking to you about Dave Ramsey and his process for six months. And now you're coming home to me saying, I just heard about it and I am so excited to do it and let's get on board. (laughs) Well, anywho, I took the opportunity and I said, okay, well, let's do it. So what we decided to do is follow baby step number one, come up with $1,000 for your savings. Step two is start to pay off your debt. And that's exactly what we did. And this took place before we moved to New Mexico. So we finally were able to get on the same page with money. And it was, it became kind of effortless because we realized that before we got on this plan, when we were both stressed for money, he would go buy things. You know, I remember him coming home with a bunch of Under Armour from Dick's Sporting Goods one day before we went on the Dave Ramsey plan. And I remember not really having enough money in the bank to cover this. So that was what he would do and kind of what I would do is we'd we'd get stressed and then we'd overspend and then we would blame each other. So finally, we had this blessing of getting on the same page and we decided to put our own spin on the Dave Ramsey plan. And we decided to give ourselves $100 each paycheck to what we would call mad money. (laughs) Or some people call it fun money. And that was $100 each paycheck. So ultimately 200 bucks each that we had a month to do what we wanted with it. I could go get my nails done. I could go get, you know, some retail therapy. He could play tennis or go buy his bourbon. Although these weren't activities or things that he liked to do back when we first got married. So he probably would have spent it on more Under Armour or something. (laughs) But it became effortless and money was not 
it didn't become like an enemy. It wasn't something that was stressful for us because all of our money went towards the debt snowball is what Dave Ramsey calls it. So this is what we, the path that we got on. And then before we moved to New Mexico, we were probably on this um, trajectory for about six months. We were able to pay off his car and my car was almost paid off. So we were seeing like, oh, his car payment's gone. My car payment's almost gone. And it was super exciting. So we were seeing that it was freeing up cash and it was working. And so the move to New Mexico really wasn't as stressful as it would have been for someone else that wasn't necessarily on the same page with their significant other. And that's another way that kind of God worked in our lives. And meanwhile, again, I'm a baby Christian. He's not. He is the one that actually brought me to uh, church. And that's when I raised my hand and said, I want to get saved. And I have to tell you, I've always believed in God. And, but I've believed him in him in the sense of, I only thought to pray during certain times. A, when I'm not doing well and I need help and I'm just feeling really down. B, when I know someone else needs help. You know, you hear someone's sick or someone lost their job or has cancer or whatever. It's like, I'm going to pray for them because I hope that the greater power above is going to save them. A miracle is going to happen. And then C, it was like I thought that he was a genie and he would grant me my wishes whenever I darn well asked for them. So (laughs) that was how I viewed him before. And then I remember going to church and being called to say, I want to be saved. And that's unfortunately how I continued to view him. Of course, my behavior changed. I was super self-aware of what I did moving forward and knew the difference between right and wrong. Whereas before I was saved, I don't think that I had that same moral compass. So that was kind of the difference for me. So for those of you that aren't Christians, maybe you can kind of relate to some degree that like, you know, the concept of God and the whole, you know, grant my wish genie concept is there. And the need to pray for people in their time of need is there. If you're one of those caring types of people and you just, just hope for a miracle, right? Like we're on this planet for a reason. Who knows why? Um, if that's kind of your philosophy, maybe you can you can understand where I'm coming from. So I guess you could say he's kind of always been in my life, but not in a way that I put him first. I have to say the more burned out that I got, the more I was pleading and pleading like, I need you to work a miracle in my life. I need this to go away. I need to get my relationships back. I need to stop being a zombie. I'm emotionally exhausted. My relationship with my family strained, you know, with my significant other, with my friends that I no longer see, and I don't want to do anything. I have no motivation. I'm clearly depressed. I feel like it's everyone else's issue (laughs) because it's the company that I work for. And they don't have the right company culture. They don't have the right organizational structure. I'm praying all throughout this time frame, like, I need help. I need help. I need help. Get me through the day. And then I move on to, I feel hopeless. I just feel hopeless. I don't even know 
what to pray for anymore. All I know is that I need your help to get through the day. And I hope that you help me find my purpose because clearly what I thought that I knew this perfect job is not so perfect. It's clearly not for me. Human resources field in and of itself is not what I thought it was. I thought that I had the ability to change the company, change the trajectory for the employees. And the fact of the matter is, I really don't. So these grandiose ideas of helping others and making such a huge impact, it was like I was falling flat on my face and I didn't feel like I was doing that. And it was frustrating. So I knew in my heart, deep in my heart, I knew that human resources and all of my experiences, they were going to help me in the future get to the path that I should be on. But again, it was kind of like when I was younger, when I mentioned, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't know what I want to do with that. I don't even know what that's going to look like. I have no idea. I can't even begin to start asking myself the questions of what do I need to do? So it wasn't until I found out that I was pregnant that things started to change and I started to realize there could be some serious consequences if I don't change my life path. And that is working a million hours, no longer being with my family. And I kind of thought, I kind of came to the realization that if I didn't change my ways, that in the next few years, my husband was going to say, bon voyage, you've wronged me by not being home, but you're not going to wrong our children by not being there. And at that point, it was like, I was just so hopeless. I was hopeless. I had no hope for the future. But again, I continued to pray. My prayers shifted from help me get through the day to help me get through the day and just show me my purpose because this isn't it. I know it's not it. I know there's something else out there for me. Life doesn't have to be this hard. It doesn't have to be this miserable. You know, even though, of course, now that I've realized and taken some time to work on myself and to get closer to God, that I was creating my own misery the entire time. And I kind of knew that at the time. But it was like an addiction. I just couldn't help it. I couldn't help but follow through on all the activities that were keeping me late at work or working from home and not being present in the moment when I got home with my friends or with my family. I knew something had to change. Finally, I'll never forget it. I got a bad review in the role that I was in. And I never got a bad review before. The reason why I got a bad review was because I didn't meet deadlines timely. That was kind of like the whole premise. You do all of these other things, exceptional Tara, but you show up late on your deadlines and I need you to get better at it. I need you to stop saying yes to everything that everybody asks of you. (laughs) Sound familiar for those of us that are burnt out, like work specifically? (laughs) You know, I would raise my hands. I can do that. I can do that. I can help with that. And I never said no to anything. So because of that, yeah, I mean, the reality of it was is work performance wise, I was not batting a good 
batting average when it came to my deadlines. And I think part of that was self-sabotage because I didn't like the role that I was in. I felt like they treated me more as an assistant and they didn't keep me in the loop on things, which bothered me because that's where my sweet spot is. I am great at strategy and I've always worked with the executive teams and everything. So them not including me in on what that strategy looks like, it was like, it just wasn't a good fit for me. So I think in some ways I self-sabotaged and procrastinated and didn't meet my deadlines on purpose because I kind of hated that job, to be honest. So that's where I was at. And it was hard for me to dispute, no, you're wrong. (laughs) No, you're wrong. Even though my client group that I was serving in that role, they were very demanding and there was a lot to do. So I'll never forget it. I was crying my eyes out. And then about an hour later, my OBGYN calls and says, we're going to induce you uh, in a few hours. (laughs) And I was like, what? This is my last day before I go on maternity leave. Um, I thought I was going to get like a day off. I thought I was going to get a day off. It was like devastating to me. I literally was banking on like a weekend before I had a baby. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't get that. I that I had to go to the hospital in a few hours and I can just remember crying my eyes out literally the rest of the day until the time that I had to go to the hospital because I was so burned out. I didn't know how I was going to take care of a baby when I couldn't even take care of myself. You know, it was just really a hard time. So, and my husband knew it and he was super supportive of me at the time, even though it was hard for him to watch me looking and feeling so hopeless and not having the relationship that I should have because I was still always working at that point. So finally, after we had the baby, it was like, oh my gosh, this is what we were meant to have. We were meant to have this little beautiful baby come into our lives and just change our world for the better. And family is important. So we're going to put family first. I'm tired of not seeing you. I haven't seen you for you know, six years, Tara. So let's make it happen. I want you to quit your job. And I know you don't want to go back. And I didn't want to go back. I hated it. It was like, I did not want to go back. And I remember checking in, acting like I was going to go back. I'm not going to lie. It's not my proudest moments because I'm super about honesty and ethics, but I acted like I was going to go back and I didn't. And I will, I'll, never forget this either. My boss was like, yeah, so we've decided to hire a few more people in Ann Arbor, which is the location that I worked at because it's just too much. There's too much to deal with here because <laughs> she was stationed out of California. And kind of was funny at the moment because it was like, I knew I was quitting. I knew I wasn't going back, but it was like, you can't take back that negative review that you gave me and you're not going to even though you know that I had a lot of challenges once you stepped in to take over a lot of my responsibility while I was on maternity leave and yet 
you finally are realizing the workload that I had and there's no way that one person can do it. So, of course, I didn't meet my deadlines. And I remember I was kind of bitter about it. Like, you need to take back that review. Of course, I didn't say you need to take back that review. But that was kind of like my aha moment. And that to me was, I am for sure quitting because it's scary. I, you know, like I said, I was still kind of a baby Christian at the time. Like, I was so much relying on him to show me the way, give me hope for the future, Lord. But I didn't fully trust and rely on the fact that he would provide. So finally, I decided to take that leap of faith and say, you know what? I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. He has given me blessing after blessing when it comes to money. We're debt free. At this point in time, we were debt free. So it was possible for me to stay at home. We had six months savings. So if I... If we weren't making it financially, we had money to fall back on. And it was a time where happiness meant more than money. And it was something that we were trying to instill in our lives for a long time to not value money in a way that we would idolize it. So we knew that family meant the most to us. And that was the most important thing in order for us to bring up our daughter in a loving home. That's what we needed to do. So I eventually, after the end of my maternity leave, I let them know I wasn't going back. And we fell into this comfortable, how do I put it? Like you're a stay at home mom now. But for me, it was like this aha moment of I have to figure out what I'm meant to do. Because being a stay at home mom I love my daughter so much and I'm so happy I'm out of the corporate environment, but I was just yearning for more. I felt like I needed something for myself in order to be the rock star stay-at-home mom that I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to work part-time, take care of my baby girl, and I knew that in order to take care of her and just be the 100% mom that I wanted to be, I needed a little something for myself. So finally, this is what sent me down the rabbit hole of self-development. And this is when I started my own business on HR consulting and I did HR consulting for a while. And then I realized, okay, HR, it ain't it. (laughs) You know, I love doing what I do in HR and it's so fulfilling, but there were aspects of it that even when I was consulting and not an employee for a company that I fell back into, such as executive leadership saying, yes, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's go. We're going to hire you as a consultant and we're going to make big moves and big strategy moves within the company. And then all of a sudden they go silent. So these were the type of things that were happening on a consistent basis in the corporate world. And all of a sudden, I was encountering them when I was consulting for different clients. And that's when I realized, nope, I'm not going to do that. The whole need to help people and help a company and to pull together that marriage of company and employee and everyone's just going to be happy and it's going to be a perfect world, that doesn't exist. So I am not going to 
pursue HR any longer. I'm going to continue doing consulting work until I figure out what it is that I want to do. So finally, I just, again, I was going deep into the self-development. I was praying. I was getting more in tune with reading his word and trying to really put my trust, like, what is it that I'm meant to do? And finally, after asking myself a million different questions, figuring out what is my dream client, and then really kind of having this aha moment, because I can remember having, I call that my midlife career crisis, because I remember when I was my most burnout, out, when I was pregnant, still at my job, I can remember telling my best friend, I wish I could just go back and go back to school to be a psychologist because all I do all day, every day is listen to everybody's problems. I solve their problems and I love doing it. And I wish I could just do that, but that's just not possible. Then finally, I got immersed into the online world because being a stay-at-home mom, I was bored. I was like on social media. And finally, I it dawned on me that my dream client was working with coaches because they were this big creative personality and they were helping people. And it was similar to a therapist in some ways. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's perfect. I want to work with those type of people because we're like-minded. And then again, the aha moment came to me and it was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be a coach. And so then I hired a coach to help me start up my coaching business because I was all in. It was like, I felt like God spoke to me, like, this is what you're meant to do. And then so I went on this path with my coach and she was basically like, I need you to choose who you're going to work with, what your target market is now in order to hit the ground running and pursue signing up clients and making money, which is what you hired me for. And I remember her saying like, why don't you work with stay at home moms to help them leave their nine to five and start an online business? Because that's what you're doing that, you know, and that's what makes you happy. Right. And that's, and I remember just thinking, no, that's not it. And I remember kind of going back and forth with her on that. And I just was not, I was not willing to move forward I was like, I took a stance. I was like, God, you need to show me the way because this is not it. I'm not going to pursue helping moms leave their nine to five and start their online business. I'm not going to do it because it's not, I know it's not what I'm meant to do. So finally, through a lot of prayer, through a lot of self-reflection and just really diving deep, Because I knew that by praying and by journaling and really asking myself the difficult questions and uncovering a lot of obstacles and self-sabotaging behaviors that I had and what led me to burnout. And after I went down the rabbit hole of really working on myself and overcoming burnout, because at this point I've overcome burnout, but it took so much prayer and it took so much self-development to figure out like, this is what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to be a coach. It's clear as day. Why in the world have I not thought of this before? And in another episode, I'll go into why in the world I didn't think of it before. (laughs) 
because I'm sure most of you can relate to that story, but that's for another time. So then move into asking myself more questions because at this point I was getting more skilled at digging into my subconscious mind and pulling out the true genius that lies there, right? And pairing that up with like, what does God want? So finally, I listened to Rick Warren. Maybe some of you are familiar with him. He sends an out, he sends out a daily hope email is what it's called. And when I was asking myself all of these questions, he kept sending out these emails about work and about burnout. And it was like, I had another, I had an aha moment. (laughs) It was like, he was speaking to me through scripture because I was reading the Bible. And he was also speaking to me through this email series that I would get on a daily basis. And it was like, aha, I'm meant to help women overcome burnout. That is what I'm meant to do. So then I was all in. And I remember speaking to my coach about this and talking to her about how I wanted to pursue that, my Facebook group, I wanted it to be called Burnout to Blessed. And I remember her bringing up, do you want to, are you sure you want to have your Facebook group named Burnout to Blessed? Are you sure you want to bring God in here? Because it can be very polarizing and people are going to not want to work with you because of that. And at that point, I had done so much work on myself that it was like, no, absolutely not. I am not willing to lie anymore. I've been lying to myself for years that things were working when they weren't working. And I found my purpose. It was like the gates of heaven opened up and was like, oh, here is your wish, Tara. Because, <laughs> you know, like I said, uh, I viewed God in some ways as a genie. And it was like he finally, after six years of praying and praying, he finally was like, here you go. This is what you're meant to do. And the whole time I had faith that it would all work out and that all of the circumstances would work out for the greater good. But I didn't know what that looked like. And finally, he put it all together and he spoke to me directly. So when she asked me that question of, do you just want to hide that fact and not talk about it? It was like, no, because that would be a lie. I can't tell people my true journey that I went from totally ambitious to on this path to remove financial debt from my life to, you know, that was God led, by the way, and all the blessings that he's given me. I can't gloss over that journey, but I can tell you I have not always been the most diligent Christian. And I do know that the idea of telling people that I'm a Christian was really scary for me because I am so new in my faith. And what I mean by that is I'm not a theologian. I'm not, you know, well-versed in what the Bible says. My husband, he went to a Baptist school And he can sit there and he can name off, you know, scripture 
And I did not feel qualified in any way, shape, or form to tell people that I'm a Christian, to be honest with you. I'm one of those people, and to this day, it's something I still struggle with, of saying, hey, I'm a Christian. You know, lean on me for help. Lean on me for guidance. You know, I'll be there for you when you need me. I'm one of those people that I don't raise my hand. Just like when it comes to politics, I don't raise my hand because I don't follow the politics as closely as I should. So sometimes I don't know fact from fiction. And that's how I felt about the Bible. And that's how I felt about God. Like I need to have all of this background knowledge and I need to have it in order to tell people in the first place. And it was through lots of prayer and it was through him speaking to me through these emails and in just in, in different ways and showing up in my life that he basically said, I don't care if you don't know scripture off the back of your hand and you can't recite it. You need to tell people your story. You need, you can't leave out the truth. And I decided once I overcame burnout and I decided once I, like once I found my God-led purpose, everything clicked into place for me. I was no longer afraid to tell people that I'm a Christian. I was no longer afraid to go on Facebook in front of thousands of my friends, which are obviously not my close friends, but you know how Facebook works. I think I have 4,000 friends. I wasn't afraid to get up there and do a Facebook Live anymore because I had a greater mission. And my mission was to help women overcome burnout. I wanted to take away the misery and the chaos that wrecked havoc on my life. I didn't want anyone to have to deal with that. And I was able to conquer that through my faith in God. And he led me to tell the world. And so that scariness and that fear of failure and, oh, what if I don't make money doing it? Like all of it went away. All of it. It went away. I no longer cared. And for someone to tell me to hold myself back and not be true to who I am, it was like, that's not a possibility. I don't care if people don't agree with me and I don't judge people. That's not what I do. If anyone that knows me, I had my party days in college. I definitely wasn't perfect. And I'm not afraid to admit that. I was a smoker. I am kind of ashamed to admit that. I'm not going to lie. (laughs) But I'm not going to ever be 100% honest with you guys. I'm always going to show up and I'm always going to be my true self. And I can recall I was writing on my whiteboard, kind of um, trying to summarize my thoughts in a way that I was able to teach you guys a step in the process of overcoming burnout, which was the release your emotion. And I remember saying it's your proverbial break room. Like if you need to use profanity, do it. And my husband looked at me and was like, you call yourself a Christian and yet you're going to tell people to use profanity? Like that doesn't seem okay. And I remember getting mad. I remember saying, no, I occasionally, you know, will say a cuss word. And it's what I've always done. 
I do the right thing as far as following through on my faith. I have a great relationship with God and I'm tired of people judging. And that's why so many people have a bad taste in their mouth about Christians is because they may have ran across someone that is like, oh, well, what you're doing isn't Christian-like. You know, you're a smoker, you're a drinker, you know, um, you're never going to heaven. You can never make it in faith. God doesn't care about you. He doesn't love you. And I found that to be the complete opposite. The more I got familiar and the more I got immersed in my faith, it was like, These people that call themselves Christians that are judging everyone are putting people off. They're sending people in the wrong direction. They're sending them right over to Satan saying, hey, here you go. Go do what you want. Live your life by your standards and continue to go down the wrong path. That's what these Christians are doing. And to me, they're not even real Christians because that's not what the Bible says is very specific about being humble, being honest, and not judging others. You know, you have no right to judge anyone. And that kind of became my mission. Like, do not judge other people. And I don't want others to judge me. But again, the authenticity of who I am came into question, just like it did with my coach of, are you sure you want to do that? My husband was like, are you sure you want to do that? And it was like, no, I am never not going to show up 100% as myself because that would be living a lie. And I'm not going to deceive people. I'm not going to act one way and then you contact me and you say, I love your work, Tara. You've helped me so much through your podcast. I want to work with you one-on-one or I want to join one of your group coaching programs. And then you get into working with me and I'm showing up differently. Like that's not acceptable for me. To me, that is deception and that I will not allow ever. So you are going to always get the 100% real me at all times. God speaks to me because I'm close to him now. I read scripture. I immerse myself into uh, different teachings. And so now when it comes to this podcast, you know, I feel like he specifically spoke to me to say, you know, do this free podcast, put this free content out to the world so that you can help others overcome burnout, so that no one has to deal with the misery and the chaos that you've had to deal with. And that at the same time, maybe the non-believers out there may be more inclined to say, well, you know, if he helped her and her life was just a hot mess and she overcame burnout and she did it, through prayer and through trust. And, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You pray and the genie doesn't grant your wish. (laughs) You know, like that's the worst that can happen. So why not give it a go? Why not give it a try? And in addition, I think maybe he wanted me to show up on this podcast and kind of made a deal with me to be 100% 
you. Go be you, Tara. And if that means your weird, quirky personality traits coupled with the fact that you are a Christian, maybe others are going to relate to that. And maybe they will, you know, be interested in learning more about me, God, right? So I think that's why he's called me to do this podcast. So I can't not tell you about the blessings that he's given me and how I came to find my God-led path. And we're going to get into a series in a few weeks after I go through the Solve series. And then I have another series that we're going to get into, which is the accountability piece of overcoming burnout, because that's so important to have the right accountability in place for you to successfully meet your goal of overcoming burnout. And we're going to get into the refuel and the inspire, because as I mentioned, once I knew this is it, heavens opened up and they were like, here, here is your purpose on a silver platter. (laughs) Once that was given to me, all of the fears of what others think, what their judgments are, what their expectations are, um, including the people that are very close to me that think that, you know, the sensible go to college, get your degree, you know, go into the corporate world. That's like, that's how society views that you should live your life. Then you go and you get married and then you go and you have kids and then you're a good wife. You're good in your career and you're a good mother. Like that's societal norms. That's what you should be doing according to society. So when I told people that I wanted to be an online coach, mind blown. What are you absolutely crazy? Do you think you can actually be successful at this? Do you actually think you can make a living at this? When I had my purpose handed to me in a silver platter, which again, it wasn't handed to me in a silver platter. It took six years of this crazy chaotic path and me really sticking with God as to reveal my purpose. But finally he did. But after he did, it was like all of that went away. And when I talk to people that I first meet, yes, I am a coach. I am a burnout coach and a business coach because the fact of the matter is, is my sweet spot is strategy and it always has been. And that's why I was always so good at the things that I did in human resources. And that's why I loved HR. So my sweet spot is helping other people start their own businesses and be successful at it. So that's kind of the second piece of what has caused me to not return to burnout because I found my God-led purpose and all of those obstacles have gone away. I don't care about what other people think. I don't care about the societal norms. It doesn't bother me anymore. And those were issues that I always dealt with. I always dealt with people pleasing. I always saw others' approval. I was a perfectionist. It had to be perfect before I presented it to the world. And now he has tested me in so many ways because he says, go out and tell people you're a Christian. Go out and start this podcast. Go out and tell your story. And in my mind, like the old me would say, I'm not qualified enough. I don't have enough knowledge to go and do that. 
because people are going to come back to me and they're going to say, well, you don't talk about this and you don't talk about that and you don't incorporate God enough and you're not a true Christian. And the reality of it is, is that's how he's tested me because he's saying you may not have all of the theology pieced together. You're not an expert pastor, you know, (laughs) but I want you to do this and here's how I want you to do it. And it's through this podcast, go do it. So he has tested me because the, the reality of it is, is I'm not super qualified to be talking to you guys about God, my friends, <laughs> but I do know that he has worked miracles in my life and he has taken chaos and he has turned it into my greatest mission in life, which is to help you. And maybe along the process, maybe you'll turn to God and start to have a relationship with him. And that's all that I can help. But I want you to know I am not your judgy person. And that's also part of my mission is I'm not your judgmental person that so many people in the coaching industry are, but I'm not going to bash the coaching industry because it has been, oh my gosh, it's been a miracle. It's like, that's where I've been meant to be. But people have their own judgments and they have their own expectations, right? So you may be judging me right now. That's okay. I have found my purpose, my greater purpose and mission in life. So I don't care. (laughs) take me or leave me. Okay. So I wanted to tell you guys my whole story because as I mentioned in a previous episode about just releasing that emotion, being honest, and that you have to be thankful for the hard situations and the hard things that you've had to experience in life because it all is for the greater good. And My story is a testament to that, that I had a hard path. I had a hard road and I was able to take all of my weaknesses. I was able to take my chaos and I was able to turn it around, overcome what was the disease of my life, essentially, which was burnout. And now I'm helping others overcome and you can take your story and you can help others as well. So we're going to get into a series, as I mentioned in a few weeks, on how to find your God-led purpose. So I wanted to kind of like interrupt the Solve series to talk to you about this because I wanted to get it on your radar, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and that in order to stay not burnt out, you need to have your mission in life. You need to refuel. You need to have passion in your life. And part of that is being fully in alignment with what you're meant to do on this planet. So I want to help you find what that purpose is. But I'm here to tell you it's not an overnight process. It took a lot of self-reflection. It took a lot of self-development. It took a lot of prayer and getting into relationship with God for me to figure it out. So it's not something that happens overnight, but I promise you once it happens and he says, here you are, here's what you're meant to do. Everything just goes away, goes away. All of the issues, everything comes to full circle and you're like, wow, 
this is why I was meant to go through the hard stuff, to get to the good stuff, right? So I had to share that with you. I apologize that this episode is so damn long, (laughs) but I wanted you to understand where I'm coming from so that you have a little bit more understanding of my journey, you know? So I went from being a baby Christian, like God is my genie, to full-fledged relationship with him. And along the way, I have went from great at my job, loving my job, very successful in my career path. But finally, the very end, I kind of fell. I fell to my doom, essentially. And it was all because of burnout. So I experienced the highs of success and I experienced the lows of the result of burning out. And I finally was able to come out on the other side of it. And honestly, my journey, it was difficult to come to terms with for so long because I was so successful in the corporate HR world and I was good at what I did and I loved what I did, but it was hard for me to face the fact that I fell from grace, essentially. I fell from this successful place and I ended in a place where it was just mediocrity. I wasn't doing one. I wasn't 100% in the role that I was at when I left corporate America, you know, and that's, it was really hard for me to come to terms with. And that was really hard for me to admit to myself, let alone to you all, because it's embarrassing. You know, I went from great success to getting a bad review and I never got a bad review before. It was awful for those of you that have experienced the side effects of work burnout and maybe your performance going from great to less than stellar. It's a very hard reality for you to come to terms with. But my reality is that he used this progression of events of success all the way to my demise in some sense and has taken it for me to help you overcome And so that once you overcome, you can move on to the next goal and then you can find your God-led purpose and be the successful person that you want to be. Live out the dreams, live your ideal life and be happy and be fulfilled in in every area of your life and show up 100% in pursuing your career dreams. Show up 100% in your relationships with your family, with your friends, and be the best mom or wife that you can be. You can have it all. It's just going to take time, and he's going to use your journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to get you to that ideal life. So stick with it. You've got this, girlfriend. I promise you. All right. Until next week. Thanks for hanging in with me. I pray that y'all have a good week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Burnout to Bless podcast. I hope that you found value in today's episode, and I pray that you will make the commitment to take back control of your life and that God will give you the courage to move forward to live the life that you were meant to live. If this episode at all inspired you, please do me a huge favor and subscribe to the Burnout to Bless podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and leave me a review. 
By subscribing, you'll be the first to be notified when new episodes air. And by leaving a review, you'll help this podcast get noticed and hopefully change someone's life. If you're ready to take the next step to overcome burnout and live the life of your dreams, email me at coachinginfo at burnout, B-U-R-N-O-U-T, the number two, blessed.com. Again, that's coachinginfo at burnout, the number two, blessed.com to learn more about my customized coaching programs. Now remember, Rome was not built in a day. All you need to do is take it one step at a time, my friends, and I promise you, you will get to your destination. Until next time.